I know that Sabrina loves teaching and dogs. I know that Brandon loves football. I know that Dorothy loves running. I know that Taylor Griffin loves health food. You should see his, his lunches. Um, I know that Nate loves catching leaves, even if his face gets some more wounds from it. <laughs> and why, do I, why would I know these things? I don't know these things because of spending hours studying your social media posts. But I know them because I live life around you guys, and I hear you talk about this stuff, right? When something is our passion, we naturally talk about it. It's like our passions are the funnest things for us to talk about. So uh, that's kind of what we're talking about tonight is talking about our passions. Um, so if you uh, have been here this quarter slash paying attention, you probably are aware that our theme for this quarter is who we are. And for the past four weeks and tonight, we've been looking in the passage of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, um, which you could call the people of God's selfies, kind of like a little snapshot of what they looked like. Um, so many of them had just started following Jesus the day before, and we get to see the way that their lives were totally renovated. So we've seen what it looks like when God is our passion, just as a recap um, of the main things we've seen in this passage, which also are the main things that Chi Alpha as a community is founded on. We see that when God is our passion, we fellowship. We live in community and friendship with each other. We see that we're disciples. We're people who are devoted to getting to know Jesus and becoming more like him. We see that we pray. We talk to God, and we listen as he talks to us, and we obediently do what he tells us to do. We see that we worship it's getting a little crowded, so I'm going to switch that. We worship because of who God is and because of what he's done for us. And tonight, um, the fifth of those, we see that we are a community on mission. We talk about Jesus. So tonight is the last of these five weeks looking into those five foundations of Chi Alpha. And for the rest of the quarter, um, since there's no more foundations of Chi Alpha to go over, um, just kidding, we're going to be looking into the rest of Acts. Yes, there are more chapters in the book of Acts and the Bible than just Acts chapter 2, and we do know that. And so we're going to be looking into more chapters of the book of Acts um, in the following week. So get excited for that. And if you've missed any of the messages or you want a refresh, you can check them out on our podcast at xacentral.com. I feel like a sports announcer who says all those things like when something's boring in the game. Anyways, can we get our Bibles passed out now, please? Um, if you guys would like a Bible just to follow along tonight or to keep these forever, you can just raise your hands and they will pass one to you. And thank you, peeps in the back, for recording for said podcast. We're going to start out by reading um, that passage we've been reading every week for these first five weeks of the quarter, um, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. And as our Bibles are getting passed out, I'll just start reading for us. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That means the number of the people who were following Jesus. What do they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anybody who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see that God had become these believers' passion. They cultivated their love for God in these settings, in a worshiping, praying, Bible-studying, sacrificially sharing, discipling, eating community. I really love all of those things, including eating a lot. Um, every day, they were growing more and more passionate about Jesus, 
Um, because passion for God really grows naturally with all these types of ingredients going into it, right? All this kind of seed, water, sunlight, fertilizer, whatever else you might need to grow something that I don't ever do. Um, All those things, nurturing it daily and helping it to grow. This type of community in Acts 2, that's how passion for Jesus grows. And that's why you guys who are in core groups might already see that you're falling more in love with Jesus. Um, And if you, you'll definitely see that as as the year goes on. Um, our lives grow so much when we are immersed and devoted to getting to know Jesus in these types of, of settings. So tonight, I want to look at how the believer's passion played out on one super ordinary day when two of them were just walking along, going out their daily business. So will you turn with me to Acts chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 16. One day, Peter and John were going up to the... T- to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at them, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, probably jumping too, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has completely, he- that has completely healed him, as you can all see. That is an awesome story. And what immediately sticks out to me when I read this passage is just how normal and ordinary this day was, at least at the start. Peter and John were just cruising down the road on a normal afternoon. They were just doing their normal thing. It was just another day walking to their Tuesday afternoon class. It was just another day watching the game in the, in the hall lounge. They were just headed to the practice room like usual. It was simply another day with nothing special on the agenda. And it's the same deal for the other guy in the story, the beggar who was paralyzed and couldn't walk. The author mentions that he was carried to the temple gates where he was put every day to beg. This was just like totally routine for both of them. But did you guys know that God loves working in the ordinary? He loves showing up in amazing ways on ordinary days, possibly even more than he loves parting the Red Sea or like interrupting nature's rhythms in supernatural displays. If your eyes are just looking for the next huge earth-shattering moment to see God show up, I would invite you to recalibrate your focus onto everyday life and just start paying attention to everything he is up to. Better even yet, 
when you wake up tomorrow morning, say something like, good morning, God, what do you have planned for us today? Back to what I call Peter and John's excellent adventure. The man called out to them as they were going into the cirque, oops, I mean the temple gate, and he asked them for money, like he'd probably done a million times over his life. Forty years, he was unable to walk. I say that because I can't even imagine being 40 years old, let alone being unable to walk for that long. No offense to anyone who is 40. Um, <laughs> but this man's days for th- that many decades consisted of just begging from passerbys. Um, did he notice anything special or different about Peter and John? I don't know, but something special certainly happened. He asked them for money, and they took the opportunity to give him the most valuable treasure they had, the power and authority in the name of Jesus. And the result was he was miraculously healed. Just think about how immensely that man's life was transformed forever in that one second, in that one encounter when Peter and John just took a quick detour and ministered to him. In that day, the average life expectancy was like 40-some years old. And later on, the passage says that he was over 40 years old. So that's literally an entire lifetime of never walking. This guy was past hope. I'm sure he felt doomed to beg on the outside of God's house for however many days or years he might have left. He had never been able to go beyond those gates inside of the temple. He was always an outsider, always stared at, always just out of reach, always watching everybody else live. But boy, did God love him. So when Jesus' disciples noticed and responded to the opportunity, detouring from their path to meet his need, his life was completely changed. That day, after 40 years, his legs worked, and he was able to stand up on his own for the first time. He was able to walk with them through the gate that he spent his whole life right on the edge of and go into the place of worship and worship God. And everybody watching knew him, um, and they were just totally amazed. Wouldn't you and I be? So tonight, I want to check out two reasons why I think Peter and John acted the way that they did towards this man in that moment, and how we think about like us, too, being a community of witness, um, applying these sort of motives to our lives. So the first reason is... They were looking for opportunities to talk about Jesus every day. In the midst of Peter and John's ordinary day, they recognized this divine opportunity because they were looking for it. Did you guys know that there's actually no such thing as like a division between the sacred and the secular in the lives of people who follow God? When we give our lives to Jesus, we give our entire lives to him. He doesn't just baptize our Tuesdays, but then our Friday nights and Saturday nights stay the old way. Our entire lives, we live as followers of Jesus. It's really hard to walk in, like, multiple different directions as just one person. There's no separation of these hours are holy hours, these hours are worldly hours. Like, we worship him as we eat and exercise and study, just like we worship him at Chi Alpha or Core or at Fall Retreat. Every moment is sacred, no matter how ordinary. God can, and he often will work, and cue us to participate to doing something extraordinary in our normal days. And if our radar is tuned, we'll hear him. When are the times that you tend to see God do the most before your eyes? When are the times that you feel him touch his life by, your, by his presence? Like when you notice, oh my gosh, God just showed up. When do you tend to notice him prompting you to minister to somebody else? Um, is it mostly Sundays at church or Tuesdays at Chi Alpha or in your core or one-on-ones when you're talking about God stuff? My question is, what if each of us started thinking that God is always here with us, that every single moment is equally qualified to be a God moment? 
and that God does want to work through your walking to class or sitting doing homework or getting coffee at Starbucks just as much as he wants to work through you when you're at Chi Alpha. God wants to speak his words through you to another resident doing their laundry at 11 p.m. just as much as he does when you're in a one-on-one. I personally think that's pretty exciting because I experience way more normal everyday life sort of hours than I do in like official church hours. I'm guessing you guys are the same too, unless you're like monks or something. But because there's no sacred or secular division, every moment is sacred because we belong wholly to God. And God's not limited to any specific building or day or time. I remember when I first realized this lesson um, was when I was a freshman in college. And I remember exactly where it was, I was and what it looked like. I was just reading my Bible in my dorm room, sitting on the floor, because dorm room, at 10 or 11 a.m. And it was after my morning classes when my roommate, um, who wasn't a Christian, when she was in class. And it hit me that day as I was reading the Bible and praying that God was present in every moment and that he wanted to work in my life and through me at any given time, not just in like church or Chi Alpha stuff. My world was super rocked. As I was getting more devoted to him my freshman year, he let, he, he let me know that he claimed every hour of my life as his follower and that he sees every hour as an equal opportunity to show up in a big way and do big things. And God wanted me to start having my eyes looking for those opportunities too because he wanted to use me left and right on our campus. And I remember what I did. I remember closing my Bible and bursting out of my room, heading to the dining hall, obviously, because I was excited for lunch. And it was like my eyes had just been opened for the first time. Like, how many of you guys have gotten glasses? That's a good number, okay. Um, That drive home from the optometrist's office where you realize that there are actually individual leaves on all the trees and that there's actually, like, legible words on those green blurry signs. If you guys haven't experienced that, just, you know, give us pity because it's an amazing, it's like a miraculous moment. You're like, wow, that just showed up there. I didn't even know. The blobs are much more detailed than we realized. But, um... On that day when my eyes were opened by God, I was immediately, like, wanting to open the door for everybody going to the dining hall. I wanted to, like, wish them a genuinely good day. Not like a creeper, but just, like, somebody who realized everybody around me is a human, too. And, like, what kind of day are they having? Like, not just be about myself, but about other people. I had fresh eyes when I interacted with the lady swiping cards at the dining hall. I figured I should treat her in a way that represents that God of the universe lives inside of me and wants to touch her life. Maybe she hadn't experienced anybody really caring about her that day. But since God lives inside of me, she sure ought to. And let me tell you, life gets a whole lot more exciting when you realize that God is present and is delighting in every moment, not just the ones color-coded on your calendar as Chi Alpha or church stuff. God is way too big for that, and his heart is too big for the lost people around us every hour of every day. So as Peter and John, um, they were already recalibrated. They were already living this way. Um, they'd already calibrated their radar to start listening for God's promptings. And they were on the lookout for chances to talk about Jesus every day. And secondly, I see that Peter and John had predetermined to live in a strategic way. That's a lot of big words now that I say them out loud. They had predetermined to live in a strategic way. That's like choosing ahead of time some good choices about how to live for God. So how did Peter and John, as Jesus' disciples and as sent ones into the world set up their lives to live strategically. We already talked about how they had grown and cultivated a passion for Jesus um, through the Acts 2 passage. Through being a part of that community, they had grown their relationship with Jesus. Their lifestyles had been totally gutted and renovated 
so that they spent time following Jesus in community, worshiping him with others, and being all about his desires every day. But did you know that there was another moment, even before that, earlier on, where Jesus himself had given them a commission, a charge, a mission to be about? And that's what makes everything in this passage make sense. If you guys would check out with me, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it's going to be on the screen. And we'll check out Jesus' words for ourselves. Jesus came to the disciples, including Peter and John, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. I feel like if I heard Jesus speak those words to me, like the first time I'd ever heard him, I've heard those words many times by now in 2018, but I feel like if I heard him say it to me, first time ever spoken on this planet, right after he'd come back from the dead, like being very dead, and then being alive, and right before he was airlifted to heaven, right before my eyes, I feel like I wouldn't easily forget those words. And this is what Peter and John's life mission had become about. Since that day, well before the Acts 2 passage, they had become all about fulfilling their king's mission. They were committed to daily obeying their king's marching orders. They'd already gotten a jump start on putting to death the my monster inside of each of them that says things like, my time, my needs, my wants, my money, my future, my plans, my family, my career, my major, my relationship. I don't have time for that. I'm too busy to stop. I need my life. My monster is very whiny when you say it out loud on the microphone. Peter and John had already learned from Jesus that the my monster is just a byproduct of sin in our lives and in our world. It's just part of the natural human flesh that we put to death when we turn from our old ways and start following Jesus. And when Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and keep making us more like him, the Holy Spirit helps us keep putting to death the my monster every single day. So Peter and John had already learned to tell the my monster Sorry, dude, you're not in charge anymore. Jesus is, and I can tell you the words he's given me. I'm about this mission. I'm going to go make disciples of all nations. I'm going to do what my king told me to do. They were already practicing life not being about themselves or their comforts or their desires, but about Jesus and his divine, global, eternal priorities. So I want to take a look at this command from Jesus a little bit further tonight. The word that we translate in our English versions as go, it's more accurately translated as you are going. It's like a progressive, everyday, continuous action sort of word, not a start-stop, like once you feel called, once you graduate, once you raise support, once you get on a plane going overseas, then you're going, then you're a missionary, then you make disciples. It's not really that kind of idea. It's not a start-stop. Jesus gave all of his followers the same command, as you are going, as we are going, make disciples. And what's cool is we don't even have to wait for a special moment of calling to decide if we'll think of ourselves as missionaries or not. Because we just read Jesus' words calling all everybody who follows him to be about this mission. So that's pretty cool. His mission has become our mission. And I heard this great quote once that is like super challenging but totally relates to this. And it said, either you're a mission field or you're a missionary. So as disciples of Jesus, you and I, as we are going, we make disciples. As you are going... As Peter and John were going to the temple at 3 p.m., Peter and John made a disciple out of that healed man by the authority in Jesus' name. That commission, Matthew 28, that commission from Jesus was the beat by which they walked. 
And when that moment came, they knew just what to do. The Peter, the, the, the Peter, the story of Peter and John's excellent adventure, it keeps going for the next couple chapters, so we're like not going to read all of that because um, of time. But after this moment of seeing what they did, we see that next, as they were going, they got to share the whole story of the gospel to everybody who watched this whole miracle happen. And 2,000 more people decided to become followers of Jesus right then, um, in addition to the healed man. And that happens in chapter 3, verse 12 through 4, verses 12. So dear Central students, Jesus has given us this same charge as well. All of us who repent of our old life of sin and trust and follow Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, we receive this awesome great commission too. As we are going, we get to make disciples of people from all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them about everything Jesus told us. And Jesus is with us every single second. So many of us want to like know what our purpose is in life or know that we have a cause to live for. Isn't it awesome that the king of the universe has given us a calling that's not going to expire like most everything else on this planet? It's so legit that he has given us something of eternal value to be about and join him in. So what does that mean for our going? As you are going to class, what might God want you to do to join in his mission? As you're going to practice in the music building or play your sport or write your code or check on your petri dish or whatever it is you do in your major, meet your group for a group project, how can you be on the lookout for chances to talk about Jesus, your passion? How might he cue you to meet the need of somebody that he loves and wants to save? How can we even take it a little further and pre-decide to live in some strategic ways to actively be in places to make disciples? I think that when God is our passion, we start to kind of think like this. God is so great, the most powerful and wonderful, life-changing, life-giving God. So we start thinking bigger than Americans normally controlled by the My Monster tend to think. I just want to share with you guys a bunch of ideas that I thought of for ways that we could live strategically on our campus like Peter and John did. It's a list of six ideas. That's obviously not all the ideas in existence of how to live strategically. So please keep listening and thinking to Je- listening to Jesus too. Um, this is a list of six that I thought of, and they're all things that God challenged me to do when I was in college. Um, so I'm not telling you something that I haven't done myself. I know that they're all tried and true. So just to go through a list of suggestions and ideas, befriend an international student. Um, do you guys know that so many people from so many c- countries of this world... Um, a lot of countries that missionaries can't even get into, they come here to our campus. And it's like, it's the cheapest way to reach Japan or Saudi Arabia or places that like, we, we can't even cross a lot of those barriers. It's so fun. I've laughed harder than any other time in my life, no offense to all of you Americans, when I've hung out with international students. Like, it is so, so fun and so life-changing. So that's one great idea. Um, you could always talk to Amanda and Ethan if you want to know more. Another idea is to plan your housing by what's most strategic. When I was in college, um, I decided that to live in the res halls every year possible so that in all of my goings at literally every hour, I could run across as many other people as, as possible to make disciples with Jesus' help. As a junior and senior, when living in the dorms started to not seem as appealing anymore, I just kind of thought about it and was like, well... This is my last shot till I'm in the nursing home someday to live among this many other people. So I'm going to make it count. And anyways, I know Central has different policies, and so it may not look quite the same. I'm just suggesting that um, in order to live missionally on our campus, that we let 
God's strategy be more important than our comfort or that we let that be kind of the priority that we think about. Am I right? Um, third idea is to do what you do with others. That's kind of broad. But maybe, maybe you study. That would be a great idea. Maybe you could set up studying with a classmate to, so you could build a friendship and be able to minister to their needs as they naturally share about what's going on in their life. Maybe you could choose a certain shift so you can kind of work with that coworker who always wants to talk to you who's really hurting in their life. Something that I did in college, because one of the things that I did every day was like go running or go to the gym, and I would set up times to go running, because it's much less boring when you're with somebody, um, with people from my classes. So sometimes I would go with people from Quai Alpha or Core. We talk about God stuff, which was awesome. But I made sure that I always kept a couple days a week um, that I saved on my schedule to go running with girls who were in my classes that I was getting to know who were not followers of Jesus. And we had the best conversations. And it taught me that if Jesus is your passion or becoming your passion and you care about people, it's really natural to be able to share about what God's doing in your life. I, I think people might argue more with like philosophical arguments or like debates that we bring up. But I can't think of a time, honestly, that anybody ever like shot down me sharing what I've been learning or like anytime anybody like was hating on my story about something amazing I saw on a mission trip in Haiti or Jordan or wherever I've been or a time when I shared about like my struggles with body image and eating disorder in the past and how God radically healed me and changed my life or about when he healed my broken heart Um, when you share what's genuinely true in your life and and what you've honestly experienced people tend to receive it really well because like Who's going to tell me I didn't go through that, you know? And, like, when you share about what God is really doing, it's so natural, and people receive it really well, in my experience. So what are things that you do that you could just do with somebody else? I've heard that people eat, and maybe you eat, and maybe they eat too. So you could set up regular eating with another person, um, whoever God might be putting in your brain right now. Um, if you just kind of text them and, and try to get lunch at the same time every week or something, that's an awesome way to just build a friendship where you can naturally talk about what you're going through and talk about Jesus, your passion. Because when God's our passion, we naturally talk about him. Another idea that I I thought of was supporting a missionary. Um, And I put this down because Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I found that I don't naturally love people in the Middle East or Africa or a lot of places in the world that I haven't been, you know? Maybe you're like that too. It's like harder for me to have a heart for the entire planet. But I found that the quickest way to get my heart to love what God loves is to put some of my treasure there, um, which means cash monies. So committing some money every month, something that's doable but sacrificial, um, to help send like our missionaries we just talked about to the Middle East or India or whatever, um, that can help your heart grow a love for, for those people and for global missions. Um, and when I started supporting missionaries as a college student, it wasn't because I was like raking in all the dough, but because I just wanted my heart to love what God loves. And I've never regretted that. Um, And Tony and I still try to add a new missionary every year. And and I love how God continues to grow my heart through that, like, trust exercise. So that's just, again, a suggestion that I thought of when we're talking about this. Another one is to live more unplugged. What on earth do I mean by that? I think that a great way to be able to see and hear opportunities to meet somebody's need is to literally be able to see and hear them. I decided in college... God challenged me to not walk to class with headphones anymore so that I'd be more aware of his guidance. Again, I'm not saying these are like rules everybody has to do. God just challenged me. If, if I'm going to be guided by him, I should not be as distracted. 
Um, nowadays, honestly, the struggle is more staring at my phone. But I wonder, what if I spent half the time I normally spend looking at my phone, waiting for something to happen or whatever, and just looked at what's going on around me? And what if I followed Jesus' promptings to go over and make a new friend or talk to somebody or pray for somebody? These pages are, like, glued. All right, the sixth of my Melissa list of ideas is called SBO. Who knows what that means? You should give a holla. Okay. A, a really great way to grow in strategic living and practicing sharing about Jesus um, and meeting needs on campus is to go on a, a spring break outreach trip, SBO trips. Not about BO. It's about spring break outreach. Um, I know we haven't announced them in the fall yet this year or anything, so this is just like a sneaky heads up. Because um, right now we're lining up some other universities, some new universities, that we're going to send out teams from our Chi Alpha group to go to over spring break. Because, like, when we're on spring break, they're not on spring break. So we can practice living on their campus the way that we want to start to learn to live on our campus all the time. And honestly, these trips are some of the best experiences you could ever ask for to just grow in your relationship with God um, and to learn more about how to live on mission in the world, especially if you don't feel like you're naturally good at this type of thing of, like, talking to people about God. These are, like the best experience you could ask for because you have a whole team to do it with and, and it's, it's awesome. So I would just encourage you guys to start thinking already if you want to just say yes to the gift of spending your whole spring break on mission with Jesus at a bunch of friends on your team. So back to Peter and John's excellent adventure. Um, their story keeps going, like I mentioned, for a couple chapters, but I just wanted to read you guys uh, a couple verses that happened towards the end of their story, Acts 4, 12 through 13. And Peter, who's maybe my favorite person in the Bible, other than Jesus, he says to everybody listening, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name but Jesus's under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And that's like the end of his ginormous sermon. And when they, the religious leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. I wanted to read that because this is one of the best encourages to me as a best encouragements to me as a college student, and I thought it might encourage you guys too. Who here feels unschooled and ordinary? You don't have to raise your hand. If you feel like just a normal person, being with Jesus is the only qualifier that this text gives for being an effective witness. Does that have a specific time frame attached to it? I do not see one in the text. People who have only been following Jesus for five minutes have a real story to tell. People who have, are new to reading their Bibles and having their minds blown by God have exciting things to tell their friends already. You don't have to be a facilitator or be on staff or be an intern or have any title. The only title is follower of Jesus. You have things to share with other people. I know that I qualify as being unschooled. I qualify as being ordinary for sure. Otherwise, maybe weird. I don't know. I would say that I also qualify as having been with Jesus because I know I've experienced enough of his love to have something to give to somebody else. And every month as I read his word, there's more passages that I see proven true in my life that I could share with somebody else. There's plenty to talk about as I keep following him. I think that God is really, really good at proving himself to other people. I think he's really good, probably actually the only one who's, who's good at convicting other people, um, helping them realize that deep down in themselves, they're, they're inadequate um, they're sinful. They need God desperately to bridge that gap that they have. 
our main job is to share, to just talk about Jesus, our passion, to, as we are going, let people know about the great God who loves them. And when he prompts us, when he radios something to our brains to, like, go make a friend of that Saudi girl getting coffee right there, or go talk to that person, or, man, that person looks very sad. If you have eyeballs and you care about people, you should maybe go just ask if they're okay type of a thing. Um, when he, he radios that stuff to our brains, and I think it's just good for us to start practicing following those and also to make some strategic choices, like I already talked about, to live wisely and courageously. Guys, can I have permission to share one more thing from my heart with you? Because I think this is my last time um, scheduled to be up here this quarter, because we have or this year, because we have so many other amazing teachers. Um, I just want to share with you guys from my heart that the best thing that I did during college, the best thing, was to read my Bible until the pages fell out. Nobody made me do it, but I grew in my love for God and my hunger for Him, and I read the Bible like my life depended on it, because I figured it honestly does. If I don't know God's will accurately, then I'm just kind of guessing in the world or assuming. If I don't know his instructions for me on this planet, I'm just going to like be guessing which way to go. What if I accidentally live the way of the world and not the way of God? What if I waste my life? My greatest fear in college was wasting my life. I don't want to just, life is a blink and eternity is so long. I don't want to waste this life. I want to invest it. And I didn't want to settle for living like the world when Jesus offers an infinitely better way. So you guys, I read my Bible and got to know God until the pages fell out. And then I just got another Bible and kept going. Um, I wanted to know him, and he naturally moved in me to want to make him known. And so I just wanted to share that guy with you guys, because when I pray for you and for us as a ministry, this is my number one prayer, that you guys and I would be hungry for the word of God, that we would be founded on the Bible, and that um, we would base truth on what God says in the Bible. Um, I just pray that you guys would read your Bibles till your pages fall out and then grab another free Kyle Bible and keep doing it all over again. Because, you guys, the world is only getting worse, and the grasp of truth in society is only getting sketchier. And our need for knowing Jesus, like Peter and John did, is only getting greater. Um, that happens through reading these pages and talking to God. So I just wanted to mention that because th- so many great things like apps and worship music and videos, those things are like great extras. But I just want to challenge you guys, nothing compares to what happens. It can't replace you alone with your Bible, with a journal, totally focused on God. And I just want to share with you guys, this is my last time up here talking to you this year, I just want to share with you, invest your life in what is going to change it. I think that's why Peter and John knew what to do in that moment with that blind, or with that paralyzed dude. Not everybody needs healing at that moment. Not everybody needs, like, a truth debate that will change something in their minds. Not everybody needs a hug. Like, People need different things, and by knowing God's character and by how he operates in millions of different situations, I think that's how we can, we can really grow and know what to do in those moments. So I just wanted to share that with you guys, um, because as we, as we become more passionate about Jesus, that's what spills over as we are living in this world for him. So a few closing thoughts for us to process as our worship team comes up. Um, these are just a few reflection questions for us tonight. Are you ready to say yes to Jesus? Um, if you're still processing, if you want to say yes to Jesus' invitation to you to become his follower and join his family, I would just encourage you to think, keep thinking about that tonight because it is the best invitation you could ever say yes to. Second thing for um, all of us to process tonight is what can you naturally share with others? Do you have a story about what God has done in your life, 
about some way that he's saved you or changed you or broken some addiction or given you hope when you had no hope? Um, what are the things that you love about God personally? Is there a verse that you treasure that you could just like memorize? Or one thing I did in college, I wrote verses on little three by five cards so that I could like give it to somebody who um, might need it in that time. Third thing for all of us to process is how do you need to put to death the my monster this week? There's always ways that we need to keep doing that. But I think it'd be good for all of us to think, is there anything hindering me from being all into God's mission? Process that thing with tonight with God if there is something. And go ahead and just like pray and journal on your own or ask for prayer from a friend. Because like I said, worshiping God and partnering in his global mission are the greatest causes in the universe. And I think what decided me, helped me decide to be all into living on mission um, with Jesus in college and eventually being a missionary for like my whole career was realizing that when Jesus comes back, I can't bring any stuff from this world to like his eternal kingdom. The only thing that lasts, the only thing that I can bring is people who otherwise would be apart from him, but I could bring with his help like to know him. So what things are hindering you from being all into that mission with Jesus? I think I super glued my pages accidentally. So in closing, when God is our passion, we look out for how he wants to move in our everyday, ordinary moments and direct us to touch a life by the name of Jesus. When God is our passion, we actively pray for and share about Jesus with those who don't know him yet. When God is our passion, he's going to keep adding to our number daily those who are being saved because of how we posture our whole lives and our everyday moments to join in his mission. When God is our passion, we'll keep making disciples who make more disciples as we're going everywhere we go. So I'll just say a prayer to transition us to responding to God tonight. God, we are so humbled that you would choose to us to be yours. We desperately need your grace to transform us and keep making us new. God, thank you so much for the lifeline of your word, of your Bible. And thank you so much for the abiding presence of your spirit within us to make us more like you and to help us make you known. Jesus, please enable us to be your witnesses everywhere we go. Please add to our number daily those who are being saved because you are so attractive, you are so worth it, and you are on mission. It's awesome we get to join you in that. Um, God, I just pray you'd speak to every single one of us here tonight because I'm sure we're all in different places. All of our goings look different every single day and all of our personalities and skill levels and everything's different so would you just like speak to everybody here tonight god um help us take the next step help us trust you courageously and follow you um with all abandon and uh please help us hear what you're trying to say to us tonight so we love you jesus pray this in your name